good morning, Colonial Woods. Great to see all of you here this morning. Turn to someone near you and say, you cannot imagine how excited I am that you're sitting next to me today. Do that, would you? You cannot imagine how excited. I'm nervous. There's a husband and wife. They aren't looking at each other. I'm concerned about that. Now, we're glad you're here today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 5. We're going we're gonna to complete a series today called Alternate Endings. We've been talking about how stories can change one way or the other when a person comes into a meeting with Christ. And today, we want to take a look at an individual, and it's our pathway toward an alternate ending. Uh, children, little children tend to uh, not always fully comprehend things and uh, we've got two grandchildren Porter who's about 16 months 17 months old he's starting to talk a little bit really the only thing he really needs to say the most important word is Papa and he's got that down uh, and then Jackson is like three and a half going on 25 that's kind of where he's at sweet spirit he's got one of his active minds and uh, three and a half year olds they don't always understand everything but he's starting to put the things together about Jesus for example, uh, recently he was at Sunday school class and he and another little boy announced to the class that they, uh, had, they were going to build a trap to trap Jesus in a cage so that they could have a talk with him sometime. The teacher laughed at that and said, you don't, you don't have to do that. Jesus, you can talk to him anytime. So a couple of weeks ago, he's on the way home from church, and he talked to his mom, and he said, um, can we invite Jesus over to our house today so that we can sit on the couch and talk? And she said, well, we can, you don't even have to invite him. He lives inside of us, and he started cracking up and laughing. He says, that means that when I eat macaroni and cheese, it lands on Jesus' head. <laughs> Kids don't always get it, but they're getting it. They're getting it. Well, we don't always get it either. John chapter 5, interesting passage. We've talked about the fact that an empty tomb really didn't change people's lives. It was an encounter with the risen Savior that changed their lives, right? A lot of people believe the tomb was empty on that first Easter morning. But it's only when you understand the implications of that, that you've had an encounter with the risen Savior that it really changes your life. Now today I want to take you to John chapter 5. It's an interesting passage of Jesus encountering an, a man who is unable to walk, has been unable to do so for 38 years. In John chapter 5, verse 1, here's what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Some translations say it's Bethsaida and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now, some of you, verse 4 is not included. It's on the bottom of your page, and it says this. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would stir the waters, and the first one that would get down into the water would be healed of whatever disease they had. Now, in some of your past or in some of your Bibles, it's not included. Some it is included. All of them have it somewhere on that page, and it really is kind of a commentary of either what actually happened or what they thought happened to see that there would be some healing take place. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, 
Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Now the day in which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. I always find that so interesting. Guys never walked and, hey, you're not supposed to walk on the grass. You know, that's not really the point. The point is the guy is walking. But anyway, they were consumed with the, with the law. And so they said, it's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, well, who is the fellow that told you to pick it up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him, the man, at the temple, and he said, see, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Now, we could spend quite a bit of time on this passage dissecting, and actually the teaching is really interesting as you get deeper into the context and where this is at. In fact, when we were in Israel years ago, I assume we're still going to do next year when we go there, they'll take us to the place where the colonnade is at, and it kind of fits that description. But I find it really interesting that Jesus asks the question, do you want to be made well? Because the, 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 that's like... That's like asking someone, do, do you want to be able to see? Or asking someone, do you, do you want to be free? Or asking someone, it seems like such a logical question, and yet the fact that Jesus asked that question kind of infers some truths to us that, that really do apply into our lives. And, and I want to share a few of them this morning before we share some stories of alternate endings. The first thing that I notice out of this passage is some say they want to get well, but actually they kind of relish either in the attention or the chaos or even the hurt that they're feeling by not being well. I was struck with this quite a few years ago that there are many individuals that they are either have been unhealthy for so long. Now, again, when we talk about well, we are not only talking about physical health. Remember, God is the three-dimensional healer, Psalm 103. The most important healing that God does in anyone's life is spiritual healing. He forgives our sins. In fact, that's why Jesus found the man later at the temple and said, now you're made well, now stop sinning or something worse may happen. What he was trying to help the man understand is that you have been physically healed, but the spiritual healing is way more important than a physical healing. And Psalm 103 says the Lord forgives all of our sins. That's the best healing anyone can ever go through. But then it says, and he heals our diseases and he redeems our life from the pit and fills them with good things that satisfy, which for me, I've always read it as that God is able to heal the inward wounds in a person's heart as well, the emotional healing that needs to take place. And sometimes I've noticed that people have either been unhealthy for so long they've gotten used to it or they've been unhealthy for so long that they wouldn't know how to live any other way chaos has been a part of their life this has been a part of their life that it's almost become a bit of a security blanket 
addiction or whatever it is has become a security blanket. Interesting, when you look at the story of the Egyptians, the Egyptians come out of Egypt. The Lord rescues them out of captivity. But isn't it interesting, rather than trust the Lord with an unknown future, they would rather go back and live in Egypt where they were in captivity because it's something they know. And I've just found that oftentimes we like the captivity that we know more than we are willing to embrace the freedom that we don't quite know yet. I was watching a television show a number of years ago, and there was, a, I can't remember the character's name, I think her first name was Carrie, I don't remember her last name. She was a doctor, and she had a very pronounced limp, she had a crutch, and she would walk around with a very pronounced limp. And uh, someone began to question her on the show about whether or not it could ever be fixed. And there was actually a surgery that could repair her, 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 her uh, uh, limp. And she made this comment that kind of stuck with me. She said, I've, I've had this crutch for so long, I'm a little bit afraid to live without it. So when Jesus says, do you want to be made well? It's actually a really good question. And it's a good question for us too. Do you really want to be made well? The second thing that jumps out at me in this passage is some say they want to be made well, but they're unwilling to do what's necessary to engage God's grace. Now I want you to understand, this whole healing is absolutely grace. It, the word grace means God's riches at Christ's expense, or as we might say it this way, it is just simply God's unfavored gift that we don't deserve. There is no indication this man deserves anything. In fact, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. They ask him, hey, who was it that told you to pick up your mat? Who told you to do that on a Sabbath? And it says, I, I don't know who the guy is. He disappeared. So there's no indication the guy had a previous relationship. That he hadn't done anything to earn this. No, the Lord shows up in his life, and he offers him healing if he'd like to accept it. And it's interesting how sometimes we say we want to get well, but, but we're not willing to do what's necessary to engage God's grace. The man didn't have to do anything other than receive it. But he didn't have to receive it. He, he had to be willing to get up. He had to be willing to pick up his mat. He had to be willing to, to try. And it's interesting, it's this incredible partnership that Scripture teaches us how God works in our life, but we, there's this divine partnership where we, it's not anything we earn, it's just simply receive. In 2 Kings chapter 5, I'd love to have you go there sometime and read it this week in verse 1 to 14. There's a guy by the name of Naaman. Naaman is a man who is the commander of the army of Aram, but he's got leprosy. Leprosy is terminal. Leprosy is, uh, it, is it makes you the unclean individual. In fact, in Israel in those times, if you had leprosy, you had to announce to everybody before they ever got anywhere near you on the path, you just had to simply shout, unclean, 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 so people could avoid you. And it says this guy had leprosy. He was greatly loved by his king. And one of the servants of this man said, if only you could go into Israel and Samaria, there's a prophet there who could heal you. 
So Naaman inquires of the king of Aram, is it okay if I go and I do this? The guy says, yeah, I'll even pay for it. Sends lots of gold, silver, treasures, horses, chariots. And Naaman shows up at the king of Israel's place and says, hey, here's all this wealth. Can you heal me? The king of Israel says, there's no way I can heal you. But there is a prophet by the name of Elisha. Elisha was taught by Elijah. Elijah taught Elisha, and Elisha hears the difficulty that he's going through, and he says, hey, send them to me. He says, he says I'll, I'll pray. I know the Lord will heal them. So he shows up. He doesn't even go out and meet this very high, prestigious noble, and he simply sends the word through a servant, tell him to go dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he'll be healed. And that commander is so outraged. He is so angry. I put it in your notes. Here's what he said. He said, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't put it in your notes. Here's what he said. I was sure that he would come out, call on his God, wave his hand over the leprosy and cure me. But instead, he's told me to go wash myself in the filthy Jordan. He said, aren't the rivers in Damascus better than any filthy river here? And he refused to go. And now, you'll see what he said. His servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you wash and be cleaned? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I have found that story to be so powerful because it's an illustration of what so many of us deal today. You tell me Jesus can actually save me of my sins. You tell me that all I have to do is trust in him and my sins can be forgiven. That can't be the case. I must have to do something else. I must have to do some great work. I must have to make sure the good in my life outweighs the bad in my life. By the way, that's not a bad way to live. That's a great way to live. I must have to do something else. And the story stuck in my brain. I've shared it before, so it's not new to a couple of you here. But, but it's interesting. It reminded me of the story of Betty Crocker. How many of you have ever heard of Betty Crocker? Just raise your hand real quick. Delicious cakes and <laughs> cookie mixes and brownies. and uh, When you're on keto, man, that all sounds really good you know and so when that first came out it was a big flop nobody bought it and it was simple open up the box open up the packet pour it in the bowl pour it in the water stir it put it in at the right uh, temperature out comes a delicious cake it was a flop they did all these research study groups and all this stuff and what they found out was people thought you can't have a good cake it's too it's too easy it should be harder than that so they repackaged it, changed the directions, did one thing different. They added one egg. Open the packet, pour in the powder, put in water, and one egg. Overnight success. And it became the deliciousness that you know today. And it's a great illustration that... Um, Sometimes it just seems too simple. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. We know Him to be Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. No, it's too easy. It's too simple. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's not profound. And by the way, just because something's simple doesn't mean it's hard. Or doesn't mean it's not hard. Sometimes it's kind of hard to trust. Jesus says if you want to be made well, you, you don't have to do anything, but you do have to be willing to engage my grace. The third thing I notice out of this passage is some say they want to be made well, but they're not willing to surrender what needs to be surrendered. And again, I think it's important for us to understand something. God does a rescuing before, but there's a condition of the heart that is willing to surrender some things that we know need to be surrendered. Interesting in Matthew chapter 18, and by the way, this story is in three of the, or two of the other Gospels. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler goes to Jesus and he says, um, Rabbi, what good thing do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus just starts to go through the Ten Commandments. And the man says, well, I've kept all of these commandments even since I was just a young child. And Jesus said, that's great. Hey, let me add one more thing for you. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. By the way, go and read the story in all the Gospels. He doesn't say give it all away. He just simply says go sell everything you have and give to the poor. Out of what you have, start using what you have to invest in others and to give generously. And it says the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. And you know, there needs to be a willingness that if I want to be made well, I may, have to, I may have to be willing to surrender some things. There may be an attitude or there may be a language or there may be anger in my life or there, there may be an addiction in my life. And it doesn't mean I have to clean myself up and then come to Christ. No, no, that's not how it works. But I've found that if I really want to be made well, I have to at least be willing to be made willing. That there might actually be a relationship and that it's actually that thing that has kept me from saying yes to Christ because I know that if I say yes to Christ, He's going to ask some changes out of my life and I don't want it to happen. And so what happens is I, I want to be made well, but I don't want to be made well because I don't want to surrender what I know I'm going to have to surrender. Do you want to be made well? And then the last thing I noticed out of this passage is sometimes some say they want to get well, but they reject it because it's not the answer they were looking for. Notice what it says in this passage, verse 9 and 10. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. And the day on which that took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to use your mat and I find this so interesting because the Pharisees, the Pharisees talked about being made well. Well, they didn't even realize they were sick. They didn't even realize. And it's really interesting. Before you can be made well, you do have to realize you're ill. And before you can ever be found, you have to realize you're lost. Have you ever noticed that? And if I don't think there's anything wrong with me, if I don't think there's any need in my life, if I don't think that there's any shortcoming in my life, if I don't believe that I'm really lost, I'll never be found. 
and I'll never be healthy. And I'll never be made well. The series that we have been in over the last several weeks has been called Alternate Endings. It's how the end of the story can change. And we wanted you to hear the stories of a few individuals that have watched God doing some pretty incredible things in their life. Let's watch that this morning. My name is Lynn Ferguson, and this morning I get to be baptized. My name is Lynn Ferguson. I'm 47 years old, and I'm married. Um, my children are grown. Um, in the last couple years, I had a lot of health issues. Um, I had actually passed away four times and was brought back. Um, I raised my brother as, a, as my child. Um, our mom passed away, and um, he had a genetic illness. He was very sick. And approximately two years ago, um, I was going into another surgery and um, I was nervous. So my younger brother had come that day, the one I raised. He came over and he got saved with me. Um, shortly after that, um, my brother actually committed suicide and um, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever went through. I have two older children and my grandson was born with the same disease that my brother had. Um, so I think with all of that, it was very overwhelming. <clears throat> and at that time in my life that I really started looking into my faith. And when my brother passed away, it was just so hard that I had realized that if I don't ask God to help me with this, I wasn't sure I could make it through it myself. Um, so I had decided I wanted to join the church and I wanted to be baptized again. So since that has happened, since I joined the church and I, you know, I had asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Um, and now I'm at a place where I realize I can't do everything my way. I need, I need help. I need, um, to have that faith, to know that there's something else. My life has just improved. The stress is, is went away and I just rely on him every day. And that's kind of where I'm at now. My name is Holly South Colburn and this morning I am going to get back. My story is I grew up in a Lutheran church. I feel like at that time I was kind of doing the motions um, that my parents wanted me to do. Um, it really wasn't like a commitment I had made. About 17 years old, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So that was my big, like ultimate health issue. And then eh, a couple years later, um, my parents were getting a divorce. I was dealing with you know stuff with my sister and I was kind of just angry and I didn't know who else to be angry with. So I was just kind of angry at God. So come 2019, um, I had a complication of my Crohn's disease and I was in the hospital for 17 days. I almost didn't make it. I remember praying so hard. I was like, God, please don't take me. So fast forward about a couple more years. I came to Port Huron, went to school. I met my best friend, Lynn. Um, and I went to my cousin's church one day in November and I was like, you know, hey, I really, really like this. So I said, hey, Lynn, let's go to church. So looked up some churches, found this church. I came in, I felt like it was home. So I went through the core class and kind of just asked God to forgive me and say, hey, I'm ready to make this commitment to you. 
You know, a lot of people go through health issues and they go like, well, I feel like I'm alone, but you're not alone. Like you have someone, like I, my hips are dying at 22 years old and I need a hip replacement already. And I feel like, wow, like who at 22 years old has to go through a hip replacement? So I feel like it's just awesome that you know that someone's there and you can always put his trust in you. And we don't know his plan, but it's there for a reason and he's doing this for some reason we might not just know it yet hi my name is aaron and i'm here to get baptized today when i was younger i regularly attended church services on sundays i did so until about my young early early adulthood and then as things got more busy and chaotic uh, i know that's not an excuse but other items became priority uh, when they shouldn't have. I can definitely see that now. Even though my wife was baptized last year in the lake, I was there in attendance, but that was about it. Growing up into adulthood, specifically the last, let's say four years, two years, I've made some really poor choices lifestyle choices, addiction, which I'm not proud of, but that happened. Recently, I was actually in the hospital, which there's only a handful of people that even know that. Dealing with some health issues directly and indirectly from years of abuse that I've put my body through. While I was there, I had the doctor come in. One of the doctors came in, and he asked me, looked right, looked me right in the eyes, asked me, do you attend church? I'm here to tell you right now, if you don't change your ways, you'll never make it back in this hospital, and you will meet Jesus very soon. So I ended up telling my wife the story, and she broke down in tears and was crying. And she said that night before she took me into the hospital that she was praying that somehow, somewhere, I would get a sign that would change my life. And we both know that that, that was definitely, that was definitely God speaking to me right there. I finally just thought to myself, this is, this is what's meant to be, this is my path. I just became honest and open, more honest than ever. Not that I wasn't honest before, but I really became honest. <laughs> the negativity is gone. Everything, is, everything has been positive, and you know, I know there'll be days that aren't gonna be positive and are gonna be hard, but I deal with them in a totally different way now. My kids see it, my wife for sure has seen it. She, thinks she's living with a new person, <laughs> which she's not, but I'm sure it feels like it to her. Believe and just be honest. Don't hold in stupid little secrets or things that don't matter. Cause it led, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a bad, bad road and it didn't need to happen, but it did and I'm here today.
Well, those are some of the stories uh, of alternate endings. And uh, uh, this morning, this service, we get to celebrate the three that are going to be getting baptized and been sharing those testimonies and all of them. This is Holly. Hi, Holly. Turn and say hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, Holly, you've got some physical challenges, but God kind of brought you to a a point of need and then spiritually has impacted your life as well. And that's how he often works. And so I want to pray for you before we baptize you. Father, thanks for Holly. Thank you for her sensitivity and her willingness to share her story. Lord, I'm so grateful that you've come into her life. I remember in the core class when she responded. And, and Father, now my prayer is not only physically for her, but she's got some challenges as a young woman. I pray, Father, that you might just pour your grace out in healing and touching her in every area of her life. Lord, that's not a precondition of her surrender, but I'm asking that on her behalf. Guide her and direct her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Holly, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. And have you received him as your personal Savior? Yes, I do. Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody. Hi. <laughs> and uh, Lynn, um, we heard your testimony, and there's been some real loss and need in your life. Yeah. You talked about how the Lord has pursued you. Yeah. And so, can I pray for you as we get ready to baptize you? Yes. Father, thanks for Lynn. I had a chance to get to know her, hear her story a little bit more at a time. Father, there have been some real losses in her life. She talked about the loss of a brother. She's talked about some of the hardship physically and, and even some of the fear. But Father, you've been so faithful to meet her in those times. And I think her direct phrase that I remember is, I know I just can't do this on my own. And I'm so glad, Lord, we don't have to. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead her, direct her, anoint her life. Jesus, would she sense your abiding presence in her life? every day and every way. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lynn, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and have you accepted Him as your personal Savior? Yes, I have. Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. comment 
I guess what I wanted to say to you, first of all, we've been joking. I've been joking with your wife for the last two, three weeks that for an extra hundred bucks, I'd hold them down a little lower longer. So. <laughs> and she gave me 200 bucks, so just like that. Aaron, what, what impacted me is I kind of know your story. Yeah. Um, because the night that uh, you'd said your wife dropped you off at the hospital and, and um, was praying for you. She actually sent me a note and just said, "Pray right now." And uh, I don't, I don't, didn't really know you other than I had seen your face. But isn't it incredible how God has a way of answering prayer? And I don't know who that doctor was. I want to get his name later, but I really appreciate the challenge that he gave me. I want to pray for you, Father. Thanks for Aaron and for his willingness to courageously stand here. This is hard, and Father. Um, I pray that as he has taken some steps in Christ and he's talked about um, certain things just being gone, Lord, I know how the enemy will oftentimes just keep pursuing us. And so, Lord, I pray for Aaron each day to grab onto your grace. I pray that each day you would give him strength, continue to give him victory. There'll be new areas of his life that you began to challenge him in. And I pray that, Lord, you would help him as a, as a godly dad, as a godly husband, as a godly man to run hard after you. I pray you'd remember today, a day of celebrating what you've done in his life. And I pray, Father, that you would just powerfully continue to lead and direct his life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Aaron, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and have you accepted him as your personal Savior? Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, I was thinking this morning when I was reading this passage, it, was, it never occurred to me how appropriate some of the stories we told during the message were with a, to conclude in baptism. Um, baptism isn't what saves a person. The Lord saves a person. Baptism is what celebrates and shows the washing of our sins. It shows that we've accepted Christ into our heart. But I couldn't help but think about this phrase that uh, the waters don't stir all the time. And when God stirs the waters, it's important to be uh, obedient. And if the Lord's been speaking into your life through the testimonies of others this morning, or he's been challenging you, or maybe you have an area of need, rather than that area of need pushing you away from the Lord, the Lord really does want to come near and he wants to meet you in that need. And we're gonna have prayer partners down front following the service, but um, I'd love to just lead us in a time of prayer as we close. Father, thank you for your gracious hand and thank you for these lives. And Lord, I believe that when we see the testimonies in the lives of others, oftentimes it speaks to reality in our own lives. I know that it was the testimony of another that led me to a point of realizing you could forgive me. And so 
today, whoever's here, wherever the need is, would you like to be made well? And Jesus, I don't, know, I don't know everything that that means, but I know this, I desperately want you. And I desperately want to be forgiven and I want to be in a right relationship. And Lord, I want you to be a part of my everyday life. And so I, I plunge in, I step into the waters and I ask you to heal every area of my life, physically, spiritually, emotionally. But Jesus, I ask you to make me into the person you want me to be. By faith, I open my arms to you and invite you in. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Can we, get, can we give the Lord a hand? Stand with us. We're going to worship. We're going to worship on our way out today. song is a declaration joining those who just decided who declared their faith their decision to follow Jesus I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back no turning back I have decided
Thank you so much, God. You are enough. God, thank you that we are reminded of our decision today to follow you. God, and for those that don't know you yet, who haven't quite made that decision, maybe they're on the borderline this morning. Maybe they've been there for a little while. You are pursuing them. You have mercy and grace for them. We love you, we thank you. Let us be a church running after you, no turning back. No turning back. Let this be the song of our hearts this week as we go throughout our week. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. We love you, it's in Jesus' name we pray and we celebrate as a church, amen. Amen, praise the Lord. You guys have a wonderful week.